Hello, my name is Scott Bradley. This is Scott Scott Podcast. And we're back to the new season, the first episode of the new campaign. And as always, I'm joined by Chris Turner. Chris, how are we? Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, long season begins again. Well, I know. I cannot wait for it. How was your summer? Yeah, it wasn't too bad, thanks. Yeah, and obviously you were at the Croatia and Scotland game. That was your first game back in about 18 months or so. How was it? Even though Scotland lost, but did you enjoy it? Just, just even being back at hand and especially watching Scotland at the Euros? Yeah, it was an experience. Um, it was a bit of a diluted experience for the COVID situation in the stadium only being a quarter capacity, but it was brilliant just to be back in amongst it, get a feel for it again and experience the atmosphere on a great occasion, Scotland hosting a Euros game. Yeah, and we'll speak about the Euros uh, later on in the show, but we'll dive right into it and we'll speak about Celtic. It's a new season, but same old Celtic, Chris. Where do we start? <laughs> God, it's going to be a long season for Celtic, that's for sure, mate. A complete mess from the top of the club to the bottom of the club. Um, obviously, Ange Postecoglou brought in to replace Neil Lennon and John Kennedy. Um, I just think it was the board were putting all the chips down to go and get Eddie Howe. And then once that didn't work out, it was just a case of like, no, we're just, we don't even really want this guy um, and we're not going to give him the backing that he needs. So I think the board aren't interested in helping him because he's not their man. Yeah, 100%. Because we said it on the season review that it just seemed like a really desperate appointment because Eddie Howe was Celtic's number one guy, right? That's who they wanted to get. And Eddie Howe didn't fancy it. So Celtic were left scrambling to get a manager and they appointed Postacoglu. And that would have been nobody's, like, first choice whatsoever. Like, nobody had even heard of this guy, right? You know, and he's walked into Celtic. He's walked into a complete mess. And the Champions League qualifiers were coming up. And the Celtic board didn't even back him. Celtic went into that game against Michelin totally underprepared. And Celtic got what was coming to them and they went out of the Champions League. So, Chris, we'll start speaking about the Michelin game. What was your thoughts on that overall? Because... In the second leg, I thought Celtic were actually okay, if I'm being honest. I thought he's played some okay stuff. And then, yet again, the defence, complete mess. And that's basically what caused Celtic. The fact that Celtic have not went into the transfer market and got top-quality defenders, especially Ayers away now, and that's a big loss. But what was your thoughts in going out of the Champions League? I wasn't too surprised, to be honest. I kind of saw it coming with the lack of investment investment in the squad. They left with like, reserve players, basically, to play in defence. Um, so I wasn't too shocked. Because I remember the, the night of the game, um, Joe put the Scott Scott chat, like the Celtic lineup, and I seen that. I was like, <laughs> if I was a Celtic fan, I would be completely worried. that like Even, like... Me just looking at that defence, it just gave me the fear. <laughs> like, like you had Welsh, Murray, Taylor, Ralston. Like, how is Ralston still at the club? Like, don't, right, of course, I'll give the, the guy credit, right? The last two games he's played, he's been pretty decent. But how is Ralston still at the club? It just showed you how much of a mess Celtic is from top to bottom in the footballing department. I know. Yeah, that 100%. And... Um, I just I, like before we speak about the board and Postecoglou even more so. Right, I just want to bring this up here, Edward. That man looks like he would rather be anywhere else, but playing for Celtic. I know his his attitude's terrible at the moment. Um, he's clearly wanting out the club. I think the board should just give him what he wants, but. The way he's been playing, I think his attitude's kind of he's done my part that I'm worth this amount of money and I'm going to get a contract worth this much somewhere. But playing like that, it, the way he's been since probably going back best part of a year, he's not going to get anywhere near what we could have got if we'd sold him a year ago and he certainly won't be on the money that he could have. See, right after the game, um, Postacoglu was doing an interview with the BBC and... He didn't think it was catastrophic that Celtic went out of the Champions League. For me, mate, I think it is 110%. Like, 
Like, champion, it's, it's so important for the whole firm to get into the Champions League. And it just purely because of the money uh, that it can give uh, the whole firm as well. And it's and that is it, that was such a, a big blow for Celtic not to make it. And, if, and honest to God, like, when I watched that interview, he just seemed like out his depth, where he, I don't think he understands the magnitude of how important it is to get into this, uh, get into the Champions League for Celtic. And since Celtic have, been to, have not been in the Champions League in about four or five years, that is really bad. Yeah, I think it's actually, since it changed to the Champions League format, that it's the longest we've not made the group stages. Um, well, barring the Rangers nine in a row, but from 98, what? That's it's the longest spell that we've not made the group stages. So, and you know that Celtic fans and the players are all about the big European nights, big occasions. Um, it's part of why supporters invest money in their season ticket. Um, and to not have those nights back, then these this the infamous disco lights still not seen a Champions League night. So, it's really frustrating for supporters. Yeah, 100%. And like on the defence, right, like, we knew that was that's probably Celtic's weakest area. You would have thought once Postacoglu got in the door, they would have a list of defenders that they were going to go right after. And we're in August right now. Obviously, Celtic signed uh, Starfelt, but it's still early days. He wasn't very convincing against Hearts, that's for sure. Um, but it's, it's a complete mess. Like, Dominic Mackay, he, when he came in, he talked of a very good game. So he did, speaks very well. But he's a rugby guy, is he not? Yeah, he's a rugby guy. And you would think that they would be backing Postacoglu to the hill, but they're not. They're, they're hanging him out to dry, in my opinion. Like, I don't think he will be there in six months' time, right? But they're hanging this poor guy out to dry. And he's inherited a complete and utter chaotic mess probably this i think this is the 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 worst celtic have been in about 20 plus years would you agree yeah probably since like just before martin o'neill came in yeah no 110 so celtic are now in the europa league chris do you think you can make the europa league group stages um I think we should do the job against Jablonek. If we don't, then that's a complete disaster. But um, the draw today, um, when I didn't see the draw, I wasn't even aware it was taking place. But my mate says if we see past Jablonek, I don't fancy our chances against Altmar. And it's hard not to disagree with that sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said to you all day, right? I don't think it's impossible that Celtic don't even get don't even make Europe. I don't think it is impossible to say that. I think it is a good chance. Like, it would, uh, if Celtic fail to make the Euro, Europa League group stages, they'll go into the Europa Conference playoff. If Celtic don't make that, mate, that is, <laughs> that is, a, that is a crisis. A hundred ten percent. Yeah, crashing, crashing out all three of those and not even making the group stages to show for it, that would be a, Absolute travesty. Um, can't remember. I worked out when we last weren't in European football till at least Christmas. But um, as I've already touched on, like European nights are part of being a Celtic supporter, going along to those nights and those big occasions. And to not have them, it's not going to satisfy fans, is it? No, not at all. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, it's it is mad. It's mad to see. It's the, the, the state Celtic are in right now. Like, and look how long it took for the board to appoint a manager. I think it was like 150 days or something like that. It was something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Where Lennon got the sack around, I think it was like February time, and Celtic only appointed a manager in June. Yeah, it, it's it's really crazy, you know. And I just I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, that I think the board made it clear to Potter that he couldn't bring in his own guys. He had to settle with Strachan, Kennedy and Steve McManus. What, what do you make of that? I think he should be allowed to build his own backroom staff. 
Yeah, like that that did surprise me as well because it's like the, it's the it's, it's the old guard that are there. Where it, I think that was what it wanted. I think that may have put off Eddie Howe, where the, the board said to him, right, you can't bring your own guys in. You need to settle with Kennedy, Strachan, and McManus, and that's just a major red flag. Like instantly, where. We see it with Roy Keenman. He was meant to take the job in 2014, but the board said, "No, you can't bring in your own guys. We want we're going to pick your assistant for you." And then he's like, "No, nah, do one then, you know." So, yeah, there's still a, there's still a lot of underlying issues, and I can totally understand the, the fans' frustration with the Celtic board. But where does the blame lie? Do you put a lot of blame on Postacoglu, or do is this just all on the board for not backing him? Um. Good question. Um, I think a lot of the blame does lie at the board's feet, but um, at the same time, there's a group of proven winners that just a few years back were winning tro- trophies, sweeping the board domestically. So, um, Possegoglu really should be doing better with some of what he has. I feel sorry for him having inherited that complete mess of defence and a goalkeeping situation which might change from tomorrow with the news about Hart coming up for a medical but uh, yeah What do you make of Joe Hart then? Um, I think Joe Hart used to be a great goalkeeper back in the day and this was about 10 years ago <laughs> he was a great goalkeeper back in the day but it's, it's weird because over the years he just gradually got worse and worse and it's like, the, like, like he was playing at Burnley I think he was like he was playing at Burnley I think he was like their second or third choice goalkeeper, you know, so what do you make of that? Do you think he could be the answer to Celtic's uh, goalkeeping issues, or do you think he's just passed it and this is just another desperate move from Celtic? Um, I'm trying to find some positives out it and give myself a bit of hope, seeing as we don't have much at the moment, um, but uh, yeah, just trying to draw parallels between him and when we brought Craig Gordon in, I remember thinking Craig Gordon really and he went and proved me wrong he hadn't really been playing football for the best two years through injuries and he was one of the best moves that we could have made at that time so I'm hoping it turns out a little bit like that but I think he's got to realise that just coming up here to Scotland I think it's going to be and he learns hard way pretty fast that it's not yeah, and speaking of Craig Gordon, he had a brilliant game on Saturday night, didn't he? He, was, he made two fantastic saves uh, at the end of the game against uh, Celtic, and we'll be touching that now. Hearts beat Celtic 2-1 on Saturday night in the opening game of the new season. Chris, what did you make of that one? That was just another kick in the teeth for uh, the Celtic support. Yeah, um, only seven, eight minutes in, and... Uh... Starfelt, who's meant to be our lord and saviour in the defence, he wasn't registered some time for the Champions League matches, but uh, and even before the match, also saw like a photo of him, his signing picture alongside that of Johan Mialbe when he signed, and it was like similarities was the caption, I think it was, and it was like he didn't look like Johan Mialbe being found at fault for that one. I'll try and put that down as like just make getting in the squad and not in a lot of time, but he can't let that become a habit and he's got the same number as a certain Shane Duffy <laughs> that's last right. season, so hope he doesn't prove to be another one of him. Yeah, that's right. Um, but see, touched on the Hearts first goal, I could not believe what I was watching. That defending was abysmal. I, 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 thought, I think it's criminal how Gary McKay-Steven had that much space. Nobody was on him. He'll never score a user goal than that in his life. It was it was mind boggling to even watch it. Just like, how is he? How's he scored that? <laughs> you know, like who is on him? Like how is he? Like being able to get that much free space? You know, and then of all people, Anthony Ralston, who I always just praised earlier on because the last two games he has been pretty decent, but for me he's not good enough for Celtic at all. Um, he scored a pretty good goal to equalise. And at that moment, Chris, were you thinking right? I think Celtic can I think we can go on here and go on and win here like like did you think that uh, yeah um I, at first I didn't realize it was rolling I was like who was that and then I realized and I was like whoa really um 
But yeah, I thought that we probably were going to come back at that point. Like the commentators touched on it, Hearts style of play, what probably wasn't going to hold up for 90 minutes playing that way. Um, we'd been quite dominant in possession at points, but just pretty wasteful in the final third. So I thought once we got that in, then it was only a matter of time, surely, before we got at least one more. Yeah, and see Beaton, I know Beaton does get a lot of flat, right? But he's a central midfielder being forced to play as a defender. And some of the criticism he does get is, I think it's a wee bit OTT. So I think some Celtic fans need to take into consideration that he's not a full-blown natural defender. Yeah, I think it's easy to forget that. It's almost like it's two completely different positions. People think you can just drop back and you're automatically defender. It's not his natural position. Mm-hmm. And then Hart scored the winner through John Sutter. And what was Scott Bain doing? What is it with these Celtic goalkeepers and their positioning? Honestly, God, like, that was a terrible goal to give away. Like, from a set piece as well, Celtic are no good at defending set pieces, right? And Scott Bain was, I don't know, it was, it was almost like he went a wee wonder. Yeah, um, not as you'd say, as an set piece, we were terrible defending them last season. I think like, so many percentage of our goals we conceded last year were from set pieces, but uh, yeah, positioning was a bit off and not to take anything away from Suter, it was a well brilliant header, um, but yeah, Bain got caught out there. And Chris, you've got to be the most cool, calm, collected guy I have ever met in my whole life, right? Takes a lot to get you angry. You posted a video in the Scots Go chat of you throwing your Celtic top across your room saying explicit words, <laughs> shall we say. But yeah, when I seen that, I was like, right, <laughs> this is where I know it's bad when you're getting angry. <laughs> but yeah, like, tell, what was your emotions on Saturday night then after watching that? Just one of frustration. Um, I don't think I could came across or sounds like my voice match it, but just that sense of frustration and almost sense of giving up. I just thought I'd put it out there to show that, yeah, this is what Celtic are doing to me. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, like, see, when I watched the, the pre-season friendly, I, I know it's friendlies, right? don't really count for much, right? But when you were playing West Ham, and I think West Ham had their second string team out, right? And they beat you 6 2. When I seen that, I'm like, I don't care if it's a friendly or not. West Ham kids just dominated that, dominated Celtic and dominated that defence, you know. Um, and that's, I think, that's the moment where Celtic fans started to be like, oh my God, this is going to be a long, long season, you know. Um, but in terms of the signings that Postacoglu's brought in so far, I know it's still early days, but is there anyone that you're excited about that's came in? Um, William Shaw, I've seen the game against Sheffield Wednesday, um, the Wednesday afternoon, and I thought he had a pretty good outing. Obviously, he's a young player, but uh, if we got working him into the squad, then we might have something going there. Mm-hmm. So, we'll, we'll move on from that wee bit. So, we'll still, we're still there on Celtic, though, but uh, I just want to touch on Lee Griffiths. He's been in the headlines recently. Um, he was under under police investi- under police investigation for allegedly speaking to a 15-year-old girl. He was cleared uh, by the police of any wrongdoing. Then a few days uh, after he was cleared, they came on uh, against West Ham in that pre-season friendly that we just spoke about. And he was getting booed off uh, the Celtic support. Chris, uh, what's your th- thoughts on Lee Griffiths? It seems like the Celtic support have completely had enough of enough of him now, and they want him gone out of the club. Uh, they feel as though he's been given plenty of chances, and he's took them for granted. But what's your take on it all? I was honestly baffled when I seen that nothing was going to happen, at least at club level. Um, was surprised to be honest that. We scored them as well, to be perfectly honest, but that's a whole different matter. Um, but yeah, when it was like it was back in the squad and that, and Postacog was coming out and saying he's going to need to win fans back over and stuff, I was like, 
really all these chances and then something like this that even if he's cleared the eyes of the law like what he's doing like really is that something a professional footballer should be the way they should be conducting themselves it's like we really go keep him about the club and then I think the supporters are letting it well known that they're not happy that he's still at the club after this has happened um, and then there was I wasn't at the game I've still not been balloted the game um, but yeah reports on social media and just texting people about it, just saying I Griffiths was getting booed and you could hear some cheering to try and drown it out or like you've got to get behind them and um, reports on social media and friends I know saying I'm a pal was at the game and he's actually seen fans physically fighting with each other over it. So if if your fans are fighting amongst each other um, over a player at the club that really shouldn't be there, then that kind of sums up the mess that the Celtic board are in right now, doesn't it? Yeah, I completely agree with you uh, on everything you said there, Chris. Um, because I got the same text as well. Uh, like f- Fans were literally scrapping with each other. Like When he came on um, as a sub, fans were walking out of the stadium. Like, they were disgusted by it, you know. And yeah, it just, it just adds more fuel to the fire, you know, of just like how bad things are at Celtic right now. And the last thing Potacoglu and the board want is a, def- is a divided support. And having someone like Lee Griffiths still employed at the club, it's going to ju- it's just going to be toxic. And I don't see it changing anytime soon, where anytime he wears a Celtic jersey, even if he scores a goal, I think the majority of decent Celtic fans are going to boo this guy. Like, it's, I've, like I've spoke to some Celtic fans that said, if he scores, they're not cheating. Like they, I think the majority of Celtic fans want this guy gone. Like they, they, they're, they're sick to death of him. Where he is took the Mickey out of Celtic for years, and I was baffled when he got that contract extension. I was like, no way! Like it is unbelievable, you know. So, and see the fact that when he was getting booed, did you know he was like shaking his head? Like he was like, why he's booing me? Like, well, he he, he couldn't fathom why he was getting booed. I'm like. <laughs> you've been under a rock or something, mate, you know? Like, they're booing you for a reason. They don't want you at their football club. And when Celtic fans are booing him, I was like, fair play. Like, fair play. Tell him how it is, because he needs to hear that. The guy's 31 years of age, right? And he's he's acting like a child. He's acting like a wee boy, you know? You would, you would have thought at that age he would have grown up a bit, but he hasn't. I don't think he'll ever grow up. He'll never learn, I don't think. No, definitely not. Yeah, no, 100%. So, the last thing on Lee Griffiths, then, where do you, what do you, where do you see him going? Do, what do you see happening? Do you think the this incompetent Celtic board will keep him at the club and cause more divide amongst the support? Or do you think you'll see some sort of sense and get rid of him? Um, well, I don't know if it'll take, like, subbing him on again and then, well... As of next week, there could be like capacity stadiums. Is it going to take like 60,000 jeering and booing Celtic fans to get the message through to the board that we don't want this guy at our club anymore? Is it going to take that for them to find about like, right, well, accept a bid for him, whoever wants him can have him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, before uh, we like, move on but to. I honestly don't see it. Yeah, I know. I sorry, guys. We've got a wee bit of internet troubles here, so that's why there's a wee bit of a delay. <laughs> I know, but we need to make do with it. <laughs> so, yeah, just uh, before we move on to Rangers, I just want to like touch on the uh, what, what like one, one one last wee thing on the Hearts and Celtic game. What did you make of Hearts overall? I thought Hearts, I thought they were solid, well organised. Um, I thought they, they played some okay stuff as well, and they gave Celtic a really good game, and I thought they were worthy. Winners in the end, but were you impressed by Hearts at all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, Robbie Nielsen took left up Dundee United to go and take the job with him again. Um, you forget that um, this is the team that's just won back promotion from the Championship. Um, obviously, there's the argument that they were unfairly relegated um, up, even though they've just won the championship and showed such quality and I did think they were worthy winners on the night mm-hmm. Yeah, 110% you know, um, 
Do you think Andy Halvey should have been sent off for that challenge on Callum McGregor? Um, depends where it would, would have happened on the park. Came. There's an argument for it, and if there was VAR, then they could have flagged it up, but uh, probably quite quite a fair one mm-hmm. in the end. I thought it was naughty. Like I, I thought it was naughty. I thought it was... I thought a yellow was justified. I thought that was like fair enough. Like, see if it was if, if McGregor was the last man and how they done how they done that straight red all day long. But, but a bit naughty. Um, I, I've seen Scott Brown do plenty of those challenges before, and he's just received a yellow card. You know, um, for me, I thought it was. <laughs> I'm not even being biased here. I thought it was a, a good tactical foul in a sense, even though even though it was a bit naughty. Because I think how they knew that he was going to be catching Cal McGregor, and McGregor was going to go on a big run. So he was like, I'm just going to stop him now, and uh, I'll take the yellow card and move on, you know. But I was laughing on social media where the the paranoia <laughs> was coming out of some Celtic fans saying that, oh, the reason how they never got sent off is because he does open goal with Bobby Madden and their pals, you know, and I was just like, oh, here we go, here we go. <laughs> it's like the crazy... Celtic fans uh, coming out in their droves, claiming conspiracy theory uh, and all this crazy stuff, you know. But I bet, I bet when you heard all that stuff and seen it, you're just like, oh, God, just shut up. <laughs> uh, it's the same, all the Celtic dads crying conspiracy theories you've just said, and it wasn't just that decision that they thought went, went against them. There was the offside that I think maybe was harsh, but... Uh, Far from a conspiracy, and I think you, the state that our defence is in now, and the goalkeeper situation that hopefully in time is going to be rectified with the move that we're making going for Hart. Um, I think it's just crying conspiracies covering over the cracks. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we'll move on to the injury segment now. And as the listeners know, this is where Chris Toner takes charge, and he'll be asking me the questions. Um, so, Chris, my man, fire away. Let's talk about how brilliant Rangers are. <laughs> you season, same old stuff, mate. <laughs> yeah, nothing new there. Um, yeah, so, first game of the season. Um, what did you make of the first game of the season against Livingston? 3-0 win. Very dominant display, mate. Um, very comfortable. Um, I was surprised when I seen the lineup actually. Also, McGregor dropped, John McLaughlin came in, Balligan started, Callum Bassey and all. Um, I was quite surprised at the lineup, uh, but I was very confident anyway. And then obviously, he started off very brightly. Yanis uh, Hadji scoring in a terrific goal uh, in the first eight minutes. It was a lovely set piece delivery from James Tavernier. Hadji, no one was on him as well, right? And I think most players in that kind of position. Would have crumbled or like would have like went out for a corner or whatever, but he took it really well, and um, obviously we took the lead and we started off great. The first half we were playing some really tidy stuff. Then second half it was a wee bit passive, it was a bit slow. We're in total control, uh, total control of the game. Um, Livingston did not threat us whatsoever. They only managed two shots. John McLaughlin. Could have just sat there with a sun lounge and had a wee cocktail, mate. Like, <laughs> it was so comfortable for that guy, genuinely. And um, then it took until the, the 78th minute where Scott Wright scored a terrific goal. I thought it was an outrageous finish, so it was. Um, James Tavernier with the, yet another assist. Then Kamar Roof came on, just completely finished it off. He got a wee goal in the 90th minute. I'm excited about Kamar Roof this season, Chris. Um, uh, last season, he was... He had some injury issues. He didn't get a proper preseason under his belt this year. He has, and if Kamar Roof avoids uh, getting injured quite a bit, um, I think he's going to. I'm going to say it now. I think he can score at least 30 goals for us this season. He is that good, and he scored 18 last year, and he <laughs> he still contributed massively, even though he was injured quite a bit. But yeah, I, I was really impressed with his mate. Um, it's honestly, God, it's a joy to watch us at times where we're just like dominating with possession, just passing the ball about like it's like so easy. Stephen Davis, an absolute Rolls Royce in that midfield, man. Um, he got man of the match. He was my man of the match. Very justified. Like you would think Stephen Davis is like 22, but he's actually 36, you know. Sakala was a bit, I think it's going to take, it'll take time for him to get used to Scottish football. I'm excited about him. Um, I think he's going to do a lot of good things for us. 
and he was great against Real Madrid. I know it was a friendly, but he was man of the match. Um, he, tore, he tore that Real Madrid defence a new one. Um, yeah, so he did get a lot of service as well. Um, I feel as though we could have, even though we won 3 now. I think if Morelos was playing uh, on Saturday, I think that could have been maybe five or six because I think we were missing Morelos' uh, link-up play and that's really key for us in the final third. Uh, so it is. And I think we're saving uh, Cedric Eaton for uh, tomorrow night against Malmo. Um, and I think that's why um, Sakala started. And uh, obviously, Kamar Roof can't play tomorrow uh, due to suspension, where he completely, <laughs> where he completely took the head off of that uh, Slavia Prague goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, I thought like, it's, it's quite tough to play against Livingston at times, Chris, because Livingston were playing with 10 men, 10 men behind the ball. They're very compact and they're very well coached. Martindale has done a great job there, you know. So, yeah, I thought it was a great start to the season, Chris. Three points, um, clean sheet. Couldn't ask for any more, mate. Uh, definitely not. Um, touched on the Real Madrid friendly there. Um, but obviously, it was a brilliant result, um, even though, like, people say, oh, it was just like the Real Madrid B team, like, performance and against the players that were in the park it was a terrific result in my opinion no 100 percent, mate and um, that was my first time back at ibrox in over a year um i wish i was at my usual seat the, the club deck but i was uh, sitting where the union bears sit um, and I, I, you text me um, that day of the game you're like i don't i think you fit in very well mate there because <laughs> obviously i'm very loud and I love sing song. Um, but yeah um i loved it it was great to be back and we played really well against real madrid you know, um, yes, they didn't have the strongest loving out there, but the players they had on the pitch <laughs> are about, I think that squad combined is worth about over a hundred odd million, you know, and Ryan Kent, God, man, he had an absolute field day. So he did, he was, he was terrific. Um, I, I, I was just really impressed with that overall performance. Um, Alan McGregor didn't have much to do in that game as well. <laughs> you know, like we dominated Real Madrid. I couldn't believe it, but I was leaving the stadium. I'm like, I don't care if it was a friendly. We just dominated and battled Real Madrid. <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it, you know? Um, but yeah, what a first game to go back to, Chris, so it was uh, against Real Madrid. Um, and obviously, I couldn't go to the Livingston game. I wasn't picked for that ballot. But hopefully for the next home game, I, I will be there, you know? But who would have thought 10 years ago, Chris, or nine years ago, sorry, Rangers are playing in the third division against Beacon. Against Beacon. The ball getting stuck in the hedge. And nine years later, we're beating Real Madrid in a preseason friendly and battering them. Like, we're at it. Like, it's crazy, isn't it? That's stuff you can't write. So, um, Morelos, is he going to be at Rangers past this transfer window? He's staying. He's staying, I think, mate. I think he's staying. He's happy. It's, I think it's clear as day Alfredo Morelos is happy. Um, judging by his Instagram post, he never stops posting that photo of him with the, the league title. You know, if, if Morelos is going to go, he wouldn't be doing that. Like, I think the only way he'll go is if we get a ridiculous offer, like something that we can't turn down, you know. But I think he will be here this season, mate, like 110%. We, are. I think we need him as well. I want to get one more season out of him at least because we all know he's going to go out at some point. I know there's been some uh, rumours about Porto. Um they fancy him. I, I, I think he'd be a good fit at Porto. I, I really do. But I don't want him to go. I think he's so important uh, to how we play. He's such an asset to us. He's a hero. He's a Rangers hero. Like, the, the support love him. Like, we've been through such a journey with Alfredo Morelos, all the ups and up, all the ups and all the downs, all the, the red cards, <laughs> all the silliness, all the lashing out. Uh, at players, um, yeah, it's been a roller coaster, but it, it's it's been worth putting up with because he's just so good and he's so important to us. And when he does go, it will be a sad day, mate. But if when he do, when he does go, he'll go with the best wishes of the Rangers support because um, it always comes up every summer. Oh, where's Alfredo Morelos going to go? Um, and I remember there was a last year there was questions about his attitude, all this nonsense. There should be questions in the media right now about Edward's attitude. I don't see pundits coming out criticising Edward's attitude. Ed- Edward does not want to be at Celtic. Like, 
he wants to he wants to get out of that club pronto, you know. And, and Edward is an unbelievable footballer, but he's not going to get his move out of Celtic if he keeps playing the way he is and having that stinking attitude, you know. Um, but what do you think? Do you think Morelos will go? Um, not sure. Um, I know Gerard was a bit quiet about what his future was going to be when he got asked about a press conference, but obviously I don't follow the situation as closely and not being a Rangers fan. I don't really know too much else about it. So, but one of the ones, it's like, wait and see if it happens for me. Yeah, um, because I seen Gerard was doing an interview with Sky, and he was like, "These questions are getting redundant now. It's the same thing every summer where he's getting asked about Alfredo Morelos. Like, is he going to go? Is he going to stay? And it's just like we'll just wait and see what happens, you know." Um, but yeah, I can understand why Gerard's getting like fed up with it because it's just the same garbage over and over, you know. But um, I just want to touch on the recruitment of Rangers so far. Um, one guy I'm really been impressed with, even though it's still early days, but he looks like he's going to be a great player for us. Uh, John Lundstrom, um, he, he, even when he came on in, uh, on Saturday, he was only on for a wee bit. But my God, man, like yeah, I'm really impressed with him. Like he's going to be, I think he's, a, I think he's a total package as a midfielder, in my opinion. Like the fact that we got him in a free agent, it's a great bit of business. Like he's building up one in the ball. He reads the game well. He's good going forward. He's, he's a, he's a big guy as well. You know, very physical. Um, I'm very surprised that Sheffield United didn't go out their way to like keep this guy, um, because he would have been a big asset for them in the in the championship, you know. But we're lucky to get, we're lucky to have him. And uh, Lundstrom's a big fan of Stephen Gerrard. He said that was a uh, one of the main reasons why he came to Rangers. Obviously, being from Liverpool, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I'm excited about John Lundstrom uh, and to see what he can do for us. Um, but like, see when I look at our squad then now. If I'm being honest, I don't think there's. I don't think we really need to sign anybody else. I'm genuinely content with the squad. If Morelos was to go, then obviously, I imagine Gerard and the board will have someone else lined up. But right now, I'm very content, mate. I'm honestly over the moon, mate. I think Yanis Hadji is going to come into a game this season. Um, Ryan Kent, what more can we say about Ryan Kent? Ryan Kent is just. <laughs> oh man, like, I think defenders may have nightmares about him, man. Like he is like he's like the worst guy to play against, man, because he'll just send you all over the place. Like he'll just send you to the cleaners, man. <laughs> like he is just something else, you know. And see in this Ranger squad, mate, like no position is guaranteed. Like look look at Saturday. McGregor on the bench, John McLaughlin started, you know, like it, there's competition for places in every area. And Hollander even said that Hollander was like, I, I love the fact that there's competition for every place because it makes players raise their game and no one gets complacent. You know, like, I just want, like, I know I've spoke about Edward quite a bit, but when you look at Celtic, when you look at striking department, Edward's complacent. He's been complacent for a long time because he knows he's the best striker and best player at the club. Like, no one's going to be putting him under pressure for his position, you know, but at Rangers, every position. Is under pressure, even James Tavernier's like position, even though he's the captain, you've got Nathan Patterson there chomping at the bit. And Nathan Patterson is a terrific prospect, you know. Um, so yeah, I think it's gonna be I think I think we're set for a, a set for a brilliant season. <laughs> so we are. I'm very excited, mate. Yeah, there's definitely depth at every position at Rangers at the moment. It's definitely uh in it for the long haul, the Celtic rebuild to try and catch that squad. Yeah, 100 um, yeah. Just want to ask you about tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, uh, first leg against Malmo. Uh, Malmo have had a bit of a good run against Scottish clubs in the Champions League. Last time Rangers were in it, not um, he's out, not Ronnie Dyla Celtic out six years ago at the playoff stage. Um, how do you see it going this time around? Um, it's going it's to be tough, mate. Um, obviously, we won't have Alfredo Morelos. Uh, he's still in quarantine, I think. Um, we're missing Kamar Roof. Um, and we should not underestimate Marmo at all. Like, Marmo are a, a very fit side. Uh, they work hard. They're, they're, it's not going to be an easy game, mate, at all. Like the, the worst thing we can do is go in there thinking we're already through and we're not. You know, it's, they're, they're a very compact side as well. 
but I think tomorrow I'll be happy if we leave with a draw. I think it will be. I'm you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it's going to be no, no. I'm going for a no, no, mate. That's what I'm going to think. That's what I'm going to say. And obviously that way goal really scrapped. Um, that should I gutter um, because it's helped Rangers out in the past, obviously, <laughs> and same with Celtic. Um, but yeah, I'll be content if we leave the draw. And I think we can do them at Ibrox. Yeah, 100%. I think we can beat them at Ibrox. Because by by that point, I think we'll have uh, Morelos back. And I, I don't think we'll have Kamar with. I think he's been banned for about two or three games. But yeah, yeah, I think we I think it's I think we can get through 110%. Um I, I would start Cedric Eaton. I wouldn't want to put that pressure on Sakala just yet. So and Cedric Eaton made a real impact in pre-season, especially against Real Madrid, scoring the winner. And I think Eaton would really want to get more game time this year. So I think he'll be uh, up for the occasion and the challenge, you know, because I've always liked Cedric Eaton. I don't know why some Rangers fans don't. I think it's it's not his fault that he's got players like Kamar Roof and Alfredo Morelos ahead of him, you know. But yeah, I think Eaton will come good. I'm excited to see what he can do this this season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so important we make the Champions League. It is massive, like obviously for Rangers and financially as well. And the, the support. Like we have not heard that Champions League theme music at Ibrox in 11 years. Like it's a long time, mate. The last time I was at a Champions League game was against Manchester United where Wayne, Wayne Rooney scored towards the end where we gave away a penalty and I was heartbroken, you know. So, um, but when I, it's yeah, I don't want like it will be it will be a gutter to be honest, mate, for it in the Europa League again, Europa League again, because last two years Gerard has done terrifically well in Europa League, back to back last sixteens. But this year, let's make it three in a row last sixteens. But this time, let's make it in the Champions League, <laughs> you know. But like the, the, the main aim is, mate, just to get there, and then whatever happens, happens, you know. We just we, we need to make it. We need to make it. And I think we will. I'm confident we will. Yeah, because if, we, if we get past Malmo, yeah, if we get past Malmo, I think we've got Olympiacos, and I don't, I don't recall who the other team is. Yeah, I, I, I don't say well because I get mixed up. If you mind in chat, I was I like, I think the next tie's easier, Alice or something. But yeah, that's I, if he's dropping into Europa. Yeah, um, I, I don't recall who the other team is, but yeah, Olympiacos. It's what did Doritz. Yeah, it's it, it's not exactly it's not, a, it's not a bad tie for us, mate. Especially embarrassment for Scotland at the Euros. If I'm being brutally honest, um, I said on the season review that Scotland will get one point and finish rock bottom. That's exactly what happened. I wasn't buying into this whole thing about like, yeah, we'll, we'll just be happy to be there. No, that's a pure loser mentality. I wanted us to go there, give a good account of ourselves, and for me, I, we never. The game against Czech Republic was a game. That was a winnable game. That was a game that we should have won, and we blew it. We we got we got beat two 0 and, and their player scored from the halfway line. God knows why David Marshall was that far out. Could not get a head around that whatsoever. Stephen O'Donnell had an absolute nightmare. He was at fault for uh, Czech Republic's first goal, where he didn't close uh, the the boy down enough quick uh, quickly enough, and yeah, it was that was a, that was a real sucker blow. And then we went to Wembley, and we, to, to be fair, we played well. Um, we got a well-deserved point. England were not good in the night whatsoever. Um, and then I think some Scotland fans were like, yeah, we can go do this, but I still couldn't get optimistic. I know I was very negative going into the the Euros, but it was just it was just the way I was feeling about it, you know. Um, and I was proved right, and I don't want to be proved right. Um, like the game against Croatia. Luka Modric just completely schooled us and showed us how to play football, <laughs> you know. People just write crazy off saying, oh, they're rubbish, they're past it. And I'm like, three years ago, they made the World Cup final. Like, this team are more than capable and that's exactly what happened. And then that was a game you were at, Chris, and we, we crashed out of the Euros. And I'm not a fan of Steve Clark. I thought Steve Clark was too negative. He, he started Stephen O'Donnell three games. Yeah, Stephen O'Donnell played well against England, but Croatia was terrible, mate. Like, if Nathan Parson, I'm not even just saying this, if Nathan Parson 
started. I think Scotland probably would have had a better chance of actually going through because I just did not understand that why Patterson was not getting a game. And the fact that Gilmore didn't even start as well against Czech Republic was mind-boggling. But do you agree with that sentiment, uh, what I'm saying about it was an embarrassment for Scotland at the Euros? Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, as you've touched on, we should have definitely gave a better show on ourselves. Um, especially, well, we, the England game was a good show, and then I think it was just everyone get carried away with the hope that we were going to get a result against Croatia and forgetting the fact that there's no pushover, despite the fact we do actually have a good record against them in a com- competitive games. But, um, yeah, disappointing campaign on the whole. No, it really was, you know. But I enjoyed, I enjoyed the Euros, uh, so I did. I thought it was fun. Um, and it was nice to see Scotland there, but I wanted us to do much better. I don't think we're going to make the World Cup, mate. I, I, I really don't think we will. And uh, I think that's when Steve Clark will resign. Or get, I don't think he'll get sad he'll resign, you know. Because I think the football we played at Euros was like stuff from the dinosaur years, you know. Like Clark was just too stubborn. He... He just refuses. He just refuses to admit things are wrong, and he was just playing Stephen O'Donnell purely because of his relationship with him, you know. And it was it was a sore one, you know. And it, the fact that England, it's like Scotland fans were basically celebrating a point against England. I'm like, come on, this is why people laugh at us. It's just pure tin pot. And even when Italy beat England in the final. You seen it in Glasgow, like Scotland fans were out celebrating that. I'm like, oh my god, we finished rock bottom with the group. Like, I thought it was really tragic, to be honest. Yeah, you, you just get that. Um, whoever like England are up against, uh, anyone but England mentality. Obviously, I don't support England myself, but um, yeah, just like celebrating as if it was our own was a bit much, I think. Yeah. So, who would you say was the standout player on the Scotland team? even though we're there for three games, but who is the one that really impressed you the most? Um, obviously didn't make the um, Croatia game because of the positive COVID test, but um, I like more. I'm not saying he would have changed the beat Croatia had they been in that starting squad for that game, but um, yeah. Yeah, 110%. Like, even though Billy Gilmore like only started and played against um, England, for me, he was a standout. Like, he bossed that midfield, you know, and it's, it was a real gutter for him, the fact he missed out on the Croatia game, like, due to obviously testing positive for COVID, you know, because he would have be, been, I'm not saying he would have won it, but he would have, made a huge difference in that midfield because he, he that boy's got a huge future ahead of him and um, yeah I'm, I'm very excited to see what he can do and I, I said it on the season review as well about Marshall I was arguing with JJ about this I was like Marshall should not start he's terrible he's past it he, he, the only reason he was going to get a game or the only reason he was getting a game is because he say because he's heroics in the, the penalty shootout you can't go off that kind of stuff, like forever, you know. Like I said, like National Nova scored the winning penalty against Fiorentina to for us to reach the UEFA Cup final. Like yes, that was an iconic moment, and National Nova is my hero, right? I was on Facetime him <laughs> last week, <laughs> but um, that I didn't want. I wouldn't want National Nova starting every single game purely because that, that Nova's a good player, but we had better players ahead of him, you know, and. John McLaughlin should have started for me, or even Craig Gordon. Both of those guys are much better than David Marshall. And look what happened at the Euros. David Marshall was god awful. You know, like as we we just spoke about, what was he doing for Czech Republic's second goal? That was, why I, I just don't understand why an experienced goalkeeper was that far out. You know, and then some people are trying to justify him, like, oh, like oh, this is the the way modern football is nowadays. Like goalkeepers need to come out of their box and. Be like go that far, and I'm like, no, they don't. Manuel Manuel Neuer likes to go out his box a bit, but no, like that. That, that was just ridiculous, you know. Um, and yeah, it was 
disappointing overall, but obviously I was uh, want to see England and uh, Wales do well at the Euros. I think everyone knows that. <laughs> and uh, I was cheering on England, cheering on Wales, and then obviously England made the final. And uh, oh, so one, so one to take, to be honest, man. Um, going out in penalties in that fashion, I thought. Thought Gareth Southgate overall got it spot on throughout the tournament. And then I just I don't understand why he didn't put Grealish on that fifth penalty. Uh, it was too much pressure for a young boy like Saka, 19 years of age, with the whole country like expecting you to do it. With the weight, the weight on the on his shoulders was too much. It was I, I couldn't get my head around that, you know. But um, I, I can imagine you were happy that <laughs> England um, didn't win the Euros because I feel as though you would have heard about it non-stop. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It would have been like it's the year of '55. Like they thought football, Rangers won '55. They thought football was coming home after '55 years. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, because see, after when after the game finished, uh, I think you can imagine what my phone was like. My phone was blown up, <laughs> and then you seen it in the Scots Go chat as well. Graham and Joe. Oh man, they were loving it because throughout that whole tournament, they were just hearing me saying it's coming home and all that stuff. And oh, they were hating it, they were hating it, you know. But it's all, all part and parcel of the fun. Uh, so it is. Just to finish off, right? I'll tell you what I think the outcome of this season's league table will be. And of course, Rangers are going to win the league. So, first, Rangers, second, Celtic. Third, Hibs. Fourth, Aberdeen. Fifth, Hearts. Sixth, St Mirren. Seventh, St Johnston. Eighth, Livingston. Ninth, Dundee United. Tenth, Motherwell. Eleventh, Ross County. Twelfth, Dundee. Dundee will finish rock bottom. Chris, give me your league table of how it will end up. Not too dissimilar to yours, but some differences, so... First difference, first, not a difference, Rangers. Second, Celtic. Third, Aberdeen. Fourth, Hibs. Fifth, St Johnston. Sixth, Hearts. Seventh, St Mirren. Eighth, Livingston. Ninth, Dundee United. Tenth, Motherwell. Eleventh, Dundee. Twelfth, Ross County. Ross County. Expecting Malky McKay to get them relegated. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's all for us, guys. Um, until next time, take care and we will see you soon.